Hello and welcome back to the Pulpit to Pew podcast and this week's adult Bible study as we come close to the finish to our study. We have been in the epistles of John, which are different than the gospel of John. Same writer, the gospel of John's written Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The epistles of John are 1 John, which we just finished last week, 2 John, which we do cover in this podcast today, and then 3 John, which we'll cover next week. And then the week following next, we'll have off. I'll probably still do something for the podcast listeners. And then the week following that, we'll have a brand new study. I don't know exactly what it is yet. I've got a pretty strong hunch. I'm praying about it, and I will let you know what that's going to be. But it will be live in our class on Sundays, which is 10 o'clock if you're local. And then it will be on the podcast. So we're looking forward to that. But today we're in Second John. It's a small little epistle. You don't hear much about it. You don't hear it preached too often. There's two verses that are kind of big ones. Uh, I say big ones loosely. It's verses that you may hear some preachers talk about. But uh, we're going to get into it. I felt a little bit scattered when I taught it this week. Um, but we covered the core subjects of it. And I hope that it's a help to you. So without further ado, here is this week's study on Second John. All right, let's go to the, the epistle of 2 John. So we finished 1 John last week, and now we're going to be in 2 John, very short. A lot of times you may hear a message from 1 John. Rarely do you hear a pastor say, turn to 2 John. Every once in a while you will. And then 3 John you rarely hear. We'll get to that next week, and then we'll begin a new, then we'll have a week off where there's usually we go into there and there's breakfast and things like that during that time i believe we're doing that again and then we will have a new study and you'll be able to choose what class you want to go to of course i always welcome you back to my class but i will not be that offended if you choose another class all right i won't be offended at all okay let's go to uh second second john let's just read down through the text it's an interesting one. I think I'm going to try without stopping. I don't do that very good, but I'm going to try without stopping, read the 13 verses, and then come back and comment on it a little bit. You'll find a familiar theme. Look for the themes when we're reading it. Don't just, when I'm reading this, don't just kind of zone out, but try to find the themes. What do you think he's talking about? He wrote this letter, and you'll see to the very first verse who it's to, though there's some debate on that. I'll come back to it. Okay, so let's just try to read through the first 13 verses. It says, The elect lady and her children, the elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth. And not I only, but also all they that have known the truth. For the truth's sake, which dwelleth in, in us and shall be with us forever. Grace be with you, mercy and peace from God the Father, from the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Son of the Father in truth and love. I rejoiced greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth, as we have received a commandment from the Father. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we have from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment, that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in doctrine of Christ hath not God. 
He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you, and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. Having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink, but I trust to come unto you and speak face to face, that our joy may be full. The children of thy elect sister greet thee. Amen. All right, so interesting little letter, huh? He wrote to the elect lady. Who is this elect lady? There's two trains of thought here, and then I'm going to give you the kind of the balance in the middle of what I think it may be. It may be a specific woman that he's writing to. He may be writing to someone that maybe was hospitable to him at some time when he was traveling through as a preacher. Um, it may be, so it's some many believe it's probably a very specific lady in her family that he is his writing to. The other side of that, the other believe that he's, he's referring to a church. This is a name for a church. The elect lady is, a, is, a, is referring to a church, and her children would be the believers, the people that are a part of the church. The elders himself, he's referring to himself. He's an old man. He's, saying, he's not using the elders as the term of a pastor here. He's just saying, I'm the old guy. Everybody knows me as the old guy, basically. He's not shying away from that. So he's saying the elder and to the elect lady and her children. So some say that he's writing to this church and that this refers to the church. I've heard both ways. I think both are fine. It doesn't change the application. But a balance kind of in between is this to think of it. You remember they didn't meet in church buildings like we are right now. They didn't have church buildings. So people opened up their house and that's where they would meet, especially under times of persecution. I tend to think that he's writing to a lady that hosted church at her house. And so I think it's kind of both. He's writing to them. It's a, it's a letter that's going to be circulated to that church, but she hosted it. So I think that, and, and as we get into more context, that he is, he's writing to a lady that hosts church at her house. And she is going to, the children could be her actual children. Maybe she's widowed. It could be the people that in the, in the part of the church that either way it goes either way but I, I tend to think that's what it is now some say that that he didn't use her name here because of the persecution that was going on and so what if he wrote a letter and he said hey joanne over there and then all of a sudden someone intercepts that they know whose house to go to the only thing is in the third epistle you see he says the elder into the well-beloved gaius he just called him right out so he may not he wasn't worried about it in the third john but he was in second john so i i don't we don't know exactly but it's probably a, an individual lady that hosts church. Now, with that in mind, because it's key in this later verses, you remember that verse when he, down here towards the end when he said, if there any come unto you that bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house. If you ever hear about 2 John, it's going to be one of two verses, either that verse right there in that context, or this other verse that says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. People like to put that on a meme or something like that. That's a verse you'll hear a lot. But the other one's this one, and this one's in context of Jehovah's Witness or, or Mormons. What do Jehovah's Witness and Mormons like to do? They like to come to your house. Okay. A lot of preachers, if you ever hear this from 2 John, they'll go to this verse and say, hey, don't, don't welcome false teachers into your house. You got to be careful of that. And so it's not saying, this is not a context, and I sh I'll come to this maybe in a little bit, but just in case I don't get to it, he's not saying don't allow unbelievers into your house. We ought to be hospitable. We ought to be kind. 
But if someone's coming in trying to teach something opposite of the gospel, don't invite them into your house. He said, don't even wish them Godspeed. Don't even say, hey, wish you all the best at the next house. Hope you get Bobby over there. No, no, no. Don't wish them anything like that. If they're teaching a false doctrine that says that Jesus Christ is not God, you don't have to be hateful or unkind, but don't wish them Godspeed. Yes? They'll come to your shop and surround you while you're working on the truck. Yeah. You can't figure out who all these people around your truck. Yeah. They can tend to be aggressive. In the towns that I have went to, uh, some of the towns just story-wise, and when I was in Michigan, the Mormons were really, really strong in their active presence, and they, wore, they dressed just like this. So when we would go out door-to-door as our church, because a lot of, and especially in that time, but we would go door-to-door as a church too. But the problem is that if we went on Thursday nights, the Mormons were going on Thursday nights, and they'd be on one side of the street, and we'd be on the other, and it kind of killed our, it kind of killed it. So I told, I told our people, I said, when I got there, of course, I was young at the time when I got there, about 22, I said, don't, don't wear a shirt and tie. Don't wear a white shirt and tie. That is like, and don't wear a backpack, because that basically just screams more. And, and sometimes they weren't allowing the Mormons in at all, but we would come and just regular, you know, pants and a polo or something and knock on the door and they would allow us to talk to them. And we weren't ag- aggressive at all by any means, as, as some may be. Um, but it would be funny because we would be on one street and they'd be on the other. And I'd be thinking, oh, no, you know, we got to pick a different night or something like that. But, but I do believe that there's some, some truth in that. Because go back to what I said in the overall, and then we'll break this down a little bit more. But, but if this was a house church, which I do believe it probably was, you got to think in a house church with the lady as a host as well. If the pastor traveled, itinerant pastors, you don't have a pastor there all the time. So someone to just come in, knock on the door and say, hey, I heard there's a church meeting here. And she would maybe know or not know at first, welcome them right in and say, oh, this is going to be one of our guest preachers and allow them in. It's not church like we think church today. You gotta, we have to put church like we think today out of our mind. Today we all know what we're doing. We're going to hear a Sunday school lesson for a little bit. We're going to walk in there. We're going to sit down. We're going to sing the first, second, and last verse of three hymns. And then we're going to we're going to hear a message, special music. And then we know the routine. We know it all. But this, this is different context, different culture. So I tend to, they may not know who's going to be preaching from, from week to week if they didn't keep one of the pastors. So someone just comes in and knocks on their door. And you got to remember from 1 John, and we've seen it right here at the end. Let me just start at the end towards 9. He says, remember he's talking about that these that transgress it, they abide not in the doctrine of Christ. And, and if we go back, verse 7 says, there's many deceivers that have entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves. Be careful that we lose not those things which we, have, which we have wrought, which you've been taught. Don't lose the truth, which I'm going to come back to. It's the main thing I'm going to talk about is the word truth. But he's saying, in, I'm, look, I'm starting at the end for some reason. It's just how I'm feeling led right now. But he says, don't lose what you've been wrought, what you've been taught. Don't let that slip away. You've been taught the truth, but that we receive a full reward. Stay faithful to the truth. Because you remember from even First John, the Gnosticism and the false teachers that were a part of the church that had left the church, and now they're trying to get back into the church where they're not coming through our doors, glass doors like us today. They're coming to the houses that they used to worship in. They're knocking and saying, hey, Suze, how, Suze, how you doing? Can I come on in? And, and sure, come on in. And can I speak this week? Yeah, go ahead and speak. And, and they have 15, 20 people that come to this little house church. And she's, she says, this week, so-and-so's here. And so-and-so gets up and starts teaching that Jesus Christ is not God. Now we got a problem. 
So then he's saying, be careful of what is going on. It was a, there was deceivers that were coming in. And she said, once you find this out, don't even let them in your house. Don't, don't even send them on their way and bid them farewell. Just get rid of them. Send them on their way. Go. No, we're, we're not interested in that. Is what he's talking about because we have to hold on to truth. So let's go back to the beginning. He says the word truth five times in the first couple verses, uh, in the first few verses, but, and I emphasize that in my reading, but he tells her he loves her and her children in the truth. He not only, only but they that have known the truth. He's, I mean, she probably, I think this lady had a reputation as, as others did, even in the book of Colossians, those that opened up, there was a reference to someone there that opened up their house. There was a great reputation for those that would open up their house for church. Um, but then he says, for the true sake which dwelleth in us, and shall be forever. Grace be with you in peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. And then in verse 4, it says, this is the verse you may have heard. I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth, as we have received a commandment from the Father. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment. When, now, hold, let me ask you guys. When he says that before, there was a common phrase he used in 1 John when he says something, I wrote not a new commandment unto you, but that which we've had from the beginning. Does anyone remember from our study in 1 John, what was he going back to when he said, this is not a new commandment, well, one you've heard from the beginning. And does anyone remember the context of that? Love one another. Yeah, it was love one another. And And he kept kind of going back, even in 1 John, he kept going back to, it's we know it now he wouldn't have said this but john chapter 13 when jesus washed the disciples feet and then at the very end of that after judas had left he said he said to him by this shall all men know you that you're my disciples that you have love one for another later on he says that someone asked him he said what's the greatest commandment he says well the greatest commandment is love thy father with all thy heart thy soul and the mind that's the first and great commandment the second is like unto it love thy neighbor as thyself and throughout the, throughout the epistle of 1 John, he was telling them, hey, it's not a new commandment. Love one another, love one another, love one another. And then he comes back to them here, and he's emphasizing truth, but he wants that truth to be balanced with love. And he says it's not a new commandment. So backing up now, he says, I rejoice that I found thy children, those probably younger Christians, believers, walking in truth. Now, just think about it from a parent's perspective for a second. When you hear that your kids do something good, you know, all know when your kids go to Sunday school or something, also the teacher says, can I talk to you? And you're like, uh-oh, <laughs> that, what did they do this time? Or, or uh, children's choir afterwards, sometimes we've found that out, sometimes from a sister, and then I have to call the children's church worker to see what happened or something like that. But, but when they come up and say, hey, I just want to tell you something about your kid, you're like, uh-oh, and they say, oh, they, so-and-so did this, and it was a good thing, you're like, oh. Yes, it melts your heart. They did something good for once, you know. It's great. Why don't they try it at home, you know? But no, you get you get excited about it because there's like he says here, there's you rejoice when you find that your children are walking in truth. So here's John, an older man. He's been away from this probably home church for a while that this elect lady had been had been hosting at her place and and, and he heard about that specific little home church and, and that things were going well and that they're walking according to truth that they're keeping the deceivers out and it just rejoiced his heart and you know if you've I, I think as a church sometimes this application may fall flat if we've not been a part of this but I think that we ought to try to 
to get a part of this, but is, is in discipleship ministry, when you're helping others, when you're an older Christian. Sometimes we think a discipleship ministry is, that's what the pastor does when he tries to mentor someone that just got saved. I think it's older Christians that are mature in their faith, that know the Bible as well, that are trying to help younger Christians grow in their faith. And in that context, when that happens, when you see a younger Christian walking in their faith, boy, that encourages you. I remember for a while when I was assistant pastor, we had several teenagers when I was in Michigan. And one of those teenagers, I invested, invested, invested a lot of time. I don't know, I went through a discipleship thing with him. I'd pick him up. He, he would often come to our house. He was in a very difficult home, very difficult home. And um, he was growing and he was excited and everything was, was just going well in his life. And then his sophomore year, he fell in love. And he fell in love with someone that she could care less about church. And all of a sudden he started missing and started missing and started missing. And I remember after I started investing in his life when he was in sixth grade, picking him up and I led him to the Lord when he was in sixth grade and, and helping him. And so now he's a sophomore. And I remember when he started, he was basically out of church at that time. And it absolutely broke my heart. Because when you invest in people's lives, like John had invested in this church, you rejoice when they're doing great. There's another one that we've seen come through here, Vincent, who I invested in his life since he was a kid. And now he's a, a missionary. He's on the mission field. And I, and I am proud of him. And watching what he's done, two, two different people going two different directions, same church, same time period. They know each other. But one breaks your heart, the other you, you do rejoice in, in watching what they're doing. And so as, that's what he's getting at here when he says, I've greatly rejoiced in finding that my children walk in truth. And it ought to encourage our hearts. I think as a church family, we ought to, when someone gets saved or we see some people growing... We ought to get involved in people's lives enough, not nosy. You know what I'm saying? Not nosy involved in people's lives where you're trying to, what, what is your budget? Well, how much you got in your bank account? Not stuff like that. I'm just saying when you see someone get saved at church, you ought to be one of the first ones over there to encourage them and say, hey, I'm proud of you. How can I pray for you now? What's, and get to know them and, and encourage them and, and talk to them. Because if we're, if we're not careful, and especially how our society is going, and I tend to be this type of person, we could want to put everybody else at arm's length and really stay kind of like stay away from me, kind of like COVID did to all of us. But, but ministry, you can't minister to people from a distance. You've got to be, you've got to be vulnerable and you've got to be close. You've got to be willing to talk. And so he greatly rejoiced because he heard that his, his children were walking in truth. Now, let, let's talk a little bit about this word truth because he's emphasized truth, 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 truth. And then he talked about truth uh, in, in the first epistle that we just finished studying. He talked about truth a lot. But I was thinking about back in the book of John. And I'm going to turn there. You can if you want. But there's, there's three spots in John that the gospel of John, this would have been the first thing he wrote, that he also emphasized truth. What, so what is truth? Well, John 14, verse 6, it's a familiar verse. Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So there, there, John is telling us about what Jesus said when Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth. So we know that Jesus is truth. So as John's saying, I'm rejoicing that you're walking in truth, stand with the truth, don't let the deceivers take you out of truth. 
We know that in part he's referring to Jesus, which that's a pretty easy one because he's been talking about Jesus and the Trinity and how Jesus is God and throughout the whole book of first, the first epistle there. And now he's referring to that again. So that part's pretty simple. But there's actually three things in the Gospel of John that is referred to. I don't want to say the word things, but that is referred to as truth. In John 16, listen to verse 13. It says, How be it when he... The Spirit, capital letter S, of truth is come. He will guide you into all truth. Well, who's he referring to there? The Holy Spirit. So John tells us in John 14, 6, Jesus is truth. But here in John 16, he says the Holy Spirit is truth. And not only is the Holy Spirit truth, but the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. He's emphasized that. And I think he talked a little bit about that in the first epistle. But we know, just for our own sake that today, that Jesus Christ is truth. We need to stand on that. The Spirit of God is truth, and He abides in us, does He not? When you became a Christian, you received the Holy Spirit. And the responsibility, according to this verse, is the Spirit of God will guide you into all truth. I don't have time to get sidetracked on this, but if you have the Holy Spirit, and we know one of His responsibilities is to guide us into truth, how does He do that? Because we're not robots, right? It's not like we just kind of like, we just walk, God, Holy Spirit's guiding me right now. He hits a button and we just immediately come right to the text and we just flip to, it's, that's not how it works. Because there's free will, there's, we, we have a mind to choose. So how does this all work? Well, the spirit of truth guides us in the truth as we just yield to him. We've, we've got we've to know what he wants. We've got to listen to him when he speaks to our hearts. We've got to ask prayer talk to him last night my wife and i were trying to figure out where we were going to eat you know how i know knew where she wanted to eat i would say where do you want to eat and then she would say what about this now her and i cannot make a decision so her and i trying to make a decision on where to eat is you got to have a decision maker at some point and i'm not a decision maker she's not a decision maker so we sat on a bench in playing field i said well, where do you want to eat well i don't know what about this place yeah that's not bad oh what about this place oh yeah that's that's not bad either oh what about this yeah that's not bad either. Where, do you, where do you want to eat oh i don't care well i don't care <laughs> i mean we 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 sat there for probably 15 minutes and we, we just we had no idea where we were gonna eat and finally we just turned around and went let's just go to that place all right it's pretty easy but I was trying to listen, and she was talking, then I was talking, and she was listening. So that's kind of, we were trying to feel each other out to see, well, where, where do you want to eat? Same thing with the Holy Spirit. We've got to listen as the Holy Spirit moves in our hearts. It, I know every time I try to teach this, it always feels, at least I'm teaching to a class, a church people. Because sometimes we're like, well, what do you mean that? Because that, people can get really weird with that. Like, I, like I've said before, I can say, well, I feel like the Spirit's leading me to go slap Aaron, my brother-in-law, right across the face right now. Okay? Well, that's, remember what I've taught before. That is the uh, subjective thing. I could, anybody can say the Spirit's leading me to do whatever. But is it in accordance to the Word of God? That's why the third passage in John 17, in verse 17, Jesus says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So there's three truths. If I were to make a triangle here, if I had a whiteboard, it's over there. But you have Jesus Christ as the truth, the Spirit of God as the truth, and the Word of God as truth. So within that triangle there is where we are safe, okay? And so if I felt like, like in my silly illustration, I said, well, I just feel like the Lord's leading me right now. If I just said to you and I build it up with emotion and everything, I said, the Spirit is leading me to slap Aaron right now. A few of you would say, hey, I kind of am behind that, you know? <laughs> But I can't back that type of behavior up with the scripture. 
So I can say whatever I want. That's why you get these deceivers that come through churches or come through on television or come through the internet and say, the Spirit has led me to do this and look at what's happening. Hold on. We all have to say, okay, you're saying that's coming from right here, the Spirit of truth. But does it line up with Jesus Christ being God? And that's where they were going wrong here. And does it line up with the Word of God that we have today? And if we find that behind what there's being te- taught is a behavior that is not in a line with the Word of God, that's a false teacher. we got to run. And John was emphasizing truth, 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 truth. Because that is what is so important. And that's why I emphasize in many of my classes and teachings that we've got to be students of the Bible. I know some people say, well, I just don't understand the Bible. And, and I get that. And that's a burden of mine, to be honest with you, in this stage of my life. But to, to figure out how to kind of bridge that, because I've heard that so many times. But we've got to study the Bible and we've got to know it, because this is our truth map. And the Spirit of God's inside you, yes. But a lot, of, a lot of times we don't know how to discern that right without the, the map of the Word of God. Because we may say, someone may get up very eloquently, you may get it, just say a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon, may, and you may go against this passage and allow them into your house, and they begin to say some things very soundly, and you're like, man, that sounds so good. And I feel good right now as I'm listening to it. Maybe that's the Holy Spirit. Well, you've got to have this third part right here. What does the Word of God say? But if we don't know the Bible... We are vulnerable to the deceivers. And that's why I, I, I'm so passionate about saying study the Bible, study the Bible, study the Bible, teach the Bible, get to know the Bible. Even on, on my podcast, I have a podcast that I just teach the Bible. And my, my heart behind it is really the ultimate is I just want everyday people that didn't go to college and get their master's degree. Because I don't think you have to go to college and get your master's degree to understand the Bible. But everyday people need to be able to just get in the Word and think about it and meditate on it and study it and be, and be led of the Holy Spirit then according to the Word of God. And that's what John was saying to this church as I flip back to 2 John. He says, I'm hearing that you're walking in truth and I'm rejoicing in it. I'm rejoicing in that you're standing firm on who Jesus Christ is. You're being led by the truth of the Holy Spirit. And, and the Word of God that you have, that they had at that time, you're sticking to that and he rejoiced in that. And that, that is a, every pastor's heart modern day today as well to hear that their children, the, those in the church, are walking in truth. And we, that's where the, the truth where we need to stay. And then when we do, as he goes on, he talks about this, and this is love, that we walk after his commandments. Part of walking in truth is obedience. It's the key there is obedience. But our obedience ought to be in love. We shouldn't be going around rigid and, and frustrated and, and chewing everybody out and, and trying to be, we shouldn't be the most hateful people in the town. We, we, we want to be known as a truth, a church that stands on the truth. But we ought to be some of the most loving people in this community. Wherever you work at, they ought to say that's one of the most loving people there. They may do some things different. They may not say these words and they may not go to these places that we go to in our company things or they may not, they may not watch, they, we just can't get them into some of these things. But boy, they are a good worker. Man, they, they're very kind, very compassionate. There's nothing wrong with that. Because this, that's walking in love. That's what he says about this new commandment that he's given unto them. He says, which is really not a new commandment. It's, it's, it's talking about love. He said, we've had it from the beginning, love one another, and this is love that ye walk after his commandments. In verse 6, this is the commandment that ye have heard from the beginning, that ye should walk in it. And then he goes into talking about the deceivers. But then in verse, let's just finish it up, verse 9. Whosoever transgresseth 
and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. And he that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God speak. For he that biddeth him God speak is partaker of his evil deeds. And now if you start to think, well, I don't know if I can do that. That's hateful. Remember, he just, he, le- he just wrote, he just pinned the words, be loving to others. But a few probably seconds or minutes later, he wrote these words, don't even let them in your house. So you see, love is not very passive and let people walk over you. That's not love. Love is not let them do whatever they want. Love is, there's truth and love together. And he says, love one another. And then a few verses later, he says, do not let those people into your house. He wasn't being hateful. He was saying, they don't speak the truth of Jesus Christ. Don't let them in your house. That's the most loving thing you can do to your family. It's the most loving thing you can do to your church here is guard from false teachers. That's a loving thing to do. So don't ever get in your mind. Sometimes love, when it gets out of balance, when love gets out of balance, it becomes very passive. It it can get walked over. You've got to have truth balanced by love. He closes this up. He says, Having many things to write unto you, I would write in paper and ink, but I trust to come unto you and speak face to face that your joy may be full. It's funny. That's the phrase he used in 1 John chapter 1. And then this verse 13, honestly, it's a kind of, he says, The children of thy elect sister greet thee. So either he was in the same community as her sister right now, or if you take the argument of a church, He's talking about another church that he's at. They are the people here of this church are greeting you. Either way, to be honest with you, I don't know. When we get to heaven, come to my mansion, we'll figure it all out at that point. I, I don't. I don't have a great. I have an answer that that is either it's he's in the same city as her sister, or it's another church. I tend to think it's another church, but honestly, it doesn't matter. What matters in this whole book right here, this little letter that he wrote to a lady that probably hosts the church at her house. He just said, "Hey, know the truth." Walk in the truth and walk in love. It's very simple. It's the same things that we've been talking about. And I think that we, as a church at Faith Baptist Church, we are going to make a difference in our community if we do the same thing. Know the truth, walk in truth, and walk in love. If we do those three things right there, we're going to make a difference until Jesus Christ comes back. Let's pray.